everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the fantastical Friday Jonathan Strickland. I don't know. I had nothing. I, I got I nothing. got pooped on. Ew. That's, that's a different podcast, Jonathan. It's not... It's not a bit. It's not a bit, Ariel. It happened. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm 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 sorry. Were you holding babies? Were no. you I was walking a dog and the dog is not what pooped the on me. The dog pooped on you? Okay. No, the dog did not poop on me. I'm walking my dog. I'm about a block and a half away from my house. And then we're walking under some trees and I feel some warm water hit my arm, but it's not oh. water. No, at least you weren't looking up. Also, uh, walk the dog. You weren't just like out there with your yo-yo, right? This was with actual like no, Tybalt, right? This was, <laughs> yeah, this was with my fur baby Tybalt. And uh, he was very confused because we were just really getting started. And I was like, nope, we're going back home. And he's like, but we haven't done the walk yet. I'm like, nope, I need to get, I need to get all of this off of me. I need to take a very hot, very soapy shower and I need you to not ask any questions. Let's go. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, my cats don't do that. And I'm lucky enough that it's been super rare that I've been pooped on by a bird. However, I did the other day swallow a bug. Like it flew directly into the back of my throat and down my throat. So uh, yeah, so there was I think, no amount of soapy water that could fix that. I think we've <laughs> learned that going outside to touch grass is not always as healing as they would like you to think. Stay inside. Be an indoor kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, just take your vitamin D if you do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the amount of people I know who have to take vitamin D supplements because we stay indoors all the time is massive. It's like everybody. I yeah. Know. I actually do get outside, you know, at least a couple times a day, which is largely because of my dog. And honestly, I am thankful for it. It's just this was this was a particularly um, upsetting moment for me this morning. And it's not like it's the first time. Uh, you know what? We before we started recording, Ariel and I were talking about Disney World. I got pooped on at Disney World once. <laughs> Oh, that's really funny, because I also had a bug fly in directly into the back of my throat <laughs> on the slinky dog. So in my case, it was at, uh, oh, it was also Hollywood Studios because I think it was Hollywood Studios. I think it was when they were having uh, one of the uh, the the candlelight processions, but they had had it at Hollywood Studios that year, I think. Mm. Usually it's at Epcot, but I think it was at, and I was sitting on a bench under a little tree waiting for the procession to start and I got pooped on and I thought, well, this does not put me in the holiday spirit. Oh, no, uh. No, gilding the Jonathan. Um, no, no, no. But but, not, but enough. I don't. Enough I take about, it back. I don't like that I said that. <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll just uh, we'll just pretend it didn't happen. I'm not going to edit it out though. But no, we're <laughs> going to we're going to now now segue first before we get into the show. We wanted to take a moment to remember the artist John Romita Senior. He passed away this week. He was in his 90s. He lived a long, long time. Very influential artist. He uh, co-created some famous characters in Marvel, including Mary Jane Watson, you know, uh, Spider-Man's girlfriend slash wife, depending upon which version of Spider-Man you're reading. And he also co-created Wolverine, one of the most popular Marvel characters of all time, 
but yes, he passed away this week. We just wanted to, to take a moment to, to remember someone who has uh, created an incredibly popular and long lasting character, a couple of them uh, that we still talk about today. In fact, one of the bits we'll be talking about in our 30 seconds or less uh, ends up tapping into that in a little bit. Yeah. Sad news. Um, so our, our thoughts and love go out to uh, Mr. Ramita's family. Yes. And uh, yeah, make sure you uh, take a look into the work he did, because like I said, yeah. extremely influential stuff. A lot of the characters that you are familiar with would not exist or at least wouldn't exist the way they do without him. But with that behind yeah. us, I think, uh, Ariel, if you are ready, we can head over to 30 seconds or less. Heck, I don't got to be ready for a full minute because you got to go first. Well, half a minute if I do it right. Half a okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm ready. Okay, I was trying right. to be clever, but I was anti-clever. Okay, go. Okay, here we go. What's a force so powerful it can stop a DC villain or a Marvel superhero in their tracks? A writer's strike. Yes, word is out that both the upcoming Max miniseries focusing on the Penguin and the Disney Plus Daredevil series are temporarily on hold as the writer's strike continues. Also, Disney's Wonder Man series is on hold, uh, as well as the film Thunderbolts, uh, plus Blade, which is competing with Fantastic Four for the film delayed the most number of times. Uh, I know this is 30 seconds or less, but I hate when news articles say indefinitely for stuff like this because they put indefinitely because they don't know when these strikes are going to be over. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's not that they're gone forever. I hate it. I hate the clickbait. Okay. Uh, so remember back when we were getting like Battleship and a promise of a Tetris threequel and all of these board game movies, and then they kind of all went away before they came to fruition. Well, one of them might be holding on. It is uh, said that Tim Story is working on a Monopoly movie that uh, had a previous script about a young man who lived on Baltic Avenue and went to make a fortune. Um, but it sounds like he's not sure where he wants the script to go. He has way too many competing ideas. So we'll see if this one comes to fruition if if they boardwalk it or some insert clever it, monopoly thing here if it passes go and collects two hundred dollars or dang it jonathan it, or if it goes to jail why are you so good at that <laughs> I, I i had time to think about it while you were talking okay here's my next one the sun has set on gotham knights the CW show that asked the question, what happens to Gotham after Batman dies? The answer is it gets one more year and then it's all over. The show featured characters like the Joker's daughter, who actually turned out to be Two-Face's daughter, Batman's adopted son, and some other folks that casual fans like me wouldn't know at all. It wasn't related to the Gotham Knights video game, by the way. I'm so behind on all that. I didn't even realize the sun had risen on it yet. Uh... <laughs> It's shame. It's shame. Uh, okay. Uh, but also it falls in line with DC's current plan for things. Okay. Uh, Atari, Atari, that old school gaming system is coming out with its first 2600 cartridge in over 30 years. The game is Mr. Run and Jump about a dude who's going after his doggy um, and falls into the dark realm. A lot of our stories are going to deal with the dark uh, today. 
mm-hmm. but you can also play it on PC or more modern co- consoles. But if you have an old Atari and you've been going, man, I wish I could pull this out and play stuff again. Well, now it's like going to be pertinent and relevant. You're going to have a new game for it. Cool. I was a, I was an Atari 2600 kid, so uh, I think that's neat. Okay. Deadpool 3 is not only still coming out, it's actually moved up the schedule, and Wolverine's gonna be in it. But one person who you won't see in the movie is Zazie Beetz, who played Domino in Deadpool 2. And that's a real shame because I thought she was great in that movie, and the character was tons of fun. Side fact, because of the writer's strike, Reynolds isn't allowed to improvise on set, but he might be able to do it in post-production if the strike's over by then. I... So weird to me because improvisation is usually not scripted. Right. But Ryan Reynolds is credited as a writer for the movie. So if he makes something new up on the spot, he's technically writing for the film. Oh, wow. Wow. I think they'd be better just to pause it at that point. Um, Writing. Ha, segue. Uh, That favorite book of Jonathan's, Ready Player One. It's 30 seconds or less. You can't, (laughs) you can't argue with me. Written by Ernest Klein. Uh, the author, Ernest Klein, is get, making a new book. This one is called Bridge to Bat City, and it's about a young girl named Opie Flats who uh, befriends a colony of music-loving bats, and then they move to Austin and get accepted for all being weirdos. It sounds delightful. Apparently, the writer used to tell these kind of stories to his kids, and then he was like, oh, I'm going to make a book about it. So they call it like a mostly true tall, modern-day tall tale. It's coming out in 2024. Um, yeah. I guess no word yet if like 98% of the book is just going to be references to different <laughs> songs. All right. <clears throat> that would be cute. Yeah, well, here we go. The Leprechaun franchise, which, yes, has gone both into the hood twice and into outer space, features a malicious, murderous leprechaun slashing his way toward a pot of gold. Now Lionsgate is working on a new entry. Sadly, Warwick Davis, who originated the role, isn't expected to return. He wasn't in the last two films that were in 2014 and 2018 either. And I don't think Jennifer Aniston is going to be in it either. She was in the first one, by the way. Oh, I... I didn't know that. I didn't watch Leprechaun. Too scary. Uh, listen, <clears throat> well, it's it's trust me, Ariel. It's not too scary, but it's also not good. So you don't need to watch it. I'm I'm scared by killer clowns from outer space, and I'm still scared by Jaws and sometimes Jurassic Park. It's too scary. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, from Lionsgate to DreamWorks, uh, DreamWorks and Animation and Netflix are partnering up for a new. Uh, cartoon Orion and the Dark about a young boy named Orion who is very anxious and has a lot of fears uh, that they call irrational fears like bees and gutter clowns and falling off a cliff. Some of those, I th- like falling off a cliff, I feel is a reasonable fear. But regardless, his biggest fear is the dark. I relate to that. I think I've talked about it on the show before. However, at one night he is visited by the dark who takes him on like a, a Little Nemo kind of tour around the world for... Uh, dark adventures and he learns it's not something to be scared of the open like the the first look pictures look actually really cute so maybe they're helping me through my fears maybe but they just gave me a new fear of clown bees all right oh no hey you got last of us on my haunted house hey you got a haunted house on my last of us say 
Yep, Universal is bringing us a Last of Us-inspired haunt to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Parks in Los Angeles and in Orlando, Florida. The attractions will be based on the games, not the miniseries, so don't expect Zaddy Pedro Pascal to pop out at you. Shucks. The attractions open in early September, so get ready to run from clickers and maniacs. That sounds delightful and scary. Hey, you got bad cartoons on my Scooby-Doo. Hey, you got Scooby-Doo on my bad cartoons. Oh, God. This Um, is about Velma, isn't it? It is. Apparently, Velma, despite getting completely panned for the first season, is getting a second season. You know why? Because once everybody heard how bad it was, they're all like, well, I have to see for myself. And so they all watched it. So this goes to show you that sometimes spite watching or hate watching a show to see how bad it is will have bad adverse effects. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Jonathan. I take responsibility for my part in bringing Velma back. Actually, I think we had even heard rumors before Velma season one was over that they were already going to green light a season two. So this just confirms what we were already kind of suspecting, but it doesn't make it any better. (laughs) No. And like the writer's strike gave them the perfect out. Yeah. And they didn't (laughs) take it. Take it. Well, before we get into all the news items, this is where we usually talk about stuff, what we have watched uh, Ariel, you got a few on here. I see. Why don't you talk about them? Sure. So, um, I watched a lot of things last weekend and this week. First of all, I finished last of us. Um, there's a half of one episode I didn't watch because I saw where it was going. And then I read the plot for it and went, Nope, these are, these are topics that I don't want to do. Yeah. No, Um, beyond traumatic for you. And that is perfectly, that's a perfectly acceptable thing to have chosen to do. Yes. However, I loved the series. I thought it was so well done. Um, you know, it's not, there are very happy moments, which I think is what makes it leaps and bounds above the walking dead is like, it is more hopeful. It's also very hard at times. Um, but I thought super well done. Um, I'm glad I finished it. Uh, also I watched power Rangers once and always, we had talked about that a while ago on the show, which was the, uh, the Power Rangers thing where they get new people in, or, or sorry, oh lord, my air conditioning just went on, everybody, and I've lost my mind. Um, the Power Rangers movie for Netflix, where it's the original Black Ranger and Blue Ranger, and then they have like the second edition Red and and uh, Pink Rangers come in, and the Yellow Ranger's daughter, and it's kind of like a memor- memorial to Trini, the Yellow Ranger. It was cute. It was a very long OG Power Rangers episode with some bizarre CGI interesting oh yeah um (laughs) like if you like power rangers then it was fun um not good but fun and uh then also i watched the little mermaid Mm. i went in not yeah not i wasn't sure whether i would be super critical because so far the live action remakes haven't really hit me um very well aladdin was the best of them in my mind and that was still just okay uh, or whether I was going to just nostalgically really love it. Um, cause I, the little mermaid for good and for bad was such a part of my life. And I've gone on like this large winding evolutionary journey of my thoughts on the property. Um, but I actually really enjoyed it. So there are a lot of shot for shot moments and like the first 40 minutes of the movie are pretty slow because it's, it's a lot of setup, um, and a lot of like going through the ocean and it's beautiful and, and all that. 
But then they get to the middle. Ariel gets to the mainland with her legs, right? And it turns into a freaking Rodgers and Hammerstein's musical. Like, everything once she was on land was so wonderful. I know some people don't like the Scuttlebutt song, which is Scuttle and Sebastian rapping. I honestly thought it kind of fit the way they did it. Give it like a very like Sondheim, major modern, modern general sort of a feel to me. Um, at a time in the movie where I felt like they would want to be hurrying up. So they would want to be talking faster rapping. Uh, all of that. I absolutely loved the lyrics. They changed. were fine. Um, some of them could have been changed less, but again, it was totally fine. It didn't matter. And then they added a little tweak to the very end, which kind of gave the story like a moral or a message that, uh, to my husband who saw this with me, cause he loves me very much made the entire remake worth it to him. So, uh, really liked it. I think it is now the best of the live action remakes. Um, I also tried to watch Trigun, but the voiceover version doesn't come out till next week and i didn't get to watch the tonys but i did totally watch the shucked and the sweeney todd performances from it and what did you think that's a lot of uh, uh of the tonys yeah of the of the performances oh uh sweeney todd i thought was great uh josh groban didn't sound too opera e and gatton Mat- matazero uh dustin from stranger things whose name i have butchered uh was wonderful um and everybody was super, super great. Shucked was pretty dang funny. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Apparently the story takes place in Cobb County because it's a corn musical. Yeah, but but, it, but not not Cobb County, Georgia, I imagine. But it, no, but it took me like a full 60 seconds to realize that because again, one of my one of the people I know from back when I did community theater as a teenager is in Shucked. He's he's like the this sad sap romantic lead i think uh <laughs> dude uh but no it was really cute and bizarre and corny um you should check it out jonathan yeah i keep everything i've heard about it makes it sound like it's kind of my bag like i love puns and i love corny jokes and obviously this one has literally tons of both uh and i i would really dig it i'm sure i just part of me is like thinking I want to experience it for the first time when I actually see it on stage. And part of me is, is thinking maybe I should dive in and listen to the soundtrack first. I, I go back and forth. I've done both for different types of musicals and uh, yeah, I haven't decided yet if that's what I'm going to do. So, I'll, but I do know I will eventually see it. It's just a question of when you should watch the, the number from the Tonys. Cause that might give you a better idea of which way you want to go. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, one number that's not gonna, that's not gonna ruin no. everything for me. Uh, I didn't really watch anything geeky this week. It has been a very, very busy week for me, uh, from work. And so I just, I was wiped out at the end of every single day. I did watch quite a bit of the, the, the previews and the trailers for various games as part of the summer game fest and the kind of surrounding uh, uh, conferences and and presentations. So like I watched the Starfield presentation and that thing looks amazing. I was very, very skeptical of it. Uh, that's the game from Bethesda, the same company that does Skyrim and, uh, and the fallout series. Uh, I wasn't sure what to think, but it looks really cool. I worry that it's a bit too wide open that without more direction, it may feel like you aren't sure what to do. 
And part of me is like, yeah, it's awesome to be able to do anything. But then if you don't have any real direction, you may just feel like lost in options and you never really do anything. So I don't know how that's going to play out when the game goes live, but I will say it looks, it looks fun. So I didn't watch that. Is it, um, is it world exploratory or is it more like, like a, um, like a mass effect sort of storyline or so, sort of storyline? There's, there is a storyline of sorts, at least of, of some nature to it. But imagine that you have a, a, a galaxy that's full of 1000 worlds and you can visit them. You can get in a ship and you can travel to them. Uh, the, the, the distance you can travel is dependent upon the drive on your ship and you can upgrade that drive as you earn credits in the game. Uh, but you can go and visit these things. You can go do side quests. You can be a pirate. You can be a smuggler. You can do all this kind of stuff, or you could just focus on like the main storyline type missions. Uh, but it looks to me like it's like, think of it like, like a game like Skyrim, like especially Skyrim where, yeah, there's a, the narrative, there's a story, but you could totally turn your back on that story and just focus on other stuff for your entire playthrough and never feel like you missed out. You'll, you might, you'll eventually peter out just cause you've played for so long. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm worried about with Starfield because I'm definitely one of those people who, when I play a game, if I come across a side quest, I'm immediately diverted. Like I don't, I'm like, I need to finish this before I go any further in the story. Because what if by going further in the story, I cut off my ability to do the side quest. So games like that, I find a little, like I, I almost never finish them because I get so bogged down in trying to do all the side quests. So I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Ultimately, it does look like it'll be fun. So I'll probably end up getting it when it comes out. Uh, and they have a couple of different special editions that look really cool too. But yeah, I'm, I'm a bit concerned. It'll be another one of those titles where I start playing and then, you know, 200 hours in, I haven't gotten really that far in the story and I just put it down and never pick it up again. And that's kind of what happened to me with Skyrim. It was so open world. And it was like my first video, like my first proper video game that I owned that uh, like I I didn't go back to it, which is why I keep saying I need to go and replay Skyrim. Um, but even with like Mass Effect, I ended up looking up like a here's the order you need to do all your quests in to and where you can find them to make sure that I wouldn't block off those things because I wanted the very best outcome for my character. <laughs> it might be cheating. No, I, I understand that though. I mean, I totally get that. It's yeah, it's, um, it's a, it's a tough thing to, to really resist. Right. Uh, like it's, again, you're given all these choices. It's like, if you're doing a choose your own adventure game or, and your, or book rather, and you're reading through and you get to an ending and you're like, Oh, I bet that's not the best ending. And you know, it's just that feeling like you want the best outcome and yeah, you could just do a full replay, but that's a lot of investment. So I totally get it. Like I I've been there and, um, you know, it's very frustrating to have put that much time into a game and then realize, Oh, this isn't the good ending. Like, Oh man, what did I do? Where did I go wrong? And yeah, very frustrating experience. Uh, I will say one other shout out I want to give it. We didn't really, well, two shout outs. First of all, sea of thieves has an expansion coming out that has uh, uh, the monkey Island characters in it and the 
music and everything. Like they had a little preview where you get to go to monkey Island or rather you get to go to an Island where the characters from monkey Island are on there, including Guybrush Threepwood, world famous pirate. And I was like, this is amazing that they did this crossover because I love the monkey Island series. The other thing is there's a game called South of midnight that uh, you only get to really see a cinematic from that. But my gosh, that game looks amazing and atmospheric and creepy and filled with like the the mythology of Louisiana and the bayou. And man, I am I am eager to see more of South of Midnight. I think I think there was no, this is not the one I was thinking of. There was another kind of weird, creepy Western uh, game that came out, I think, last year. That I was getting confused with. Uh, anyhow, I'll have to definitely check out those trailers for sure because they sound like they'd be for me as well. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry you didn't get to watch more geeky things, but a full weekend of video games is is up there. Yeah. No, it's pretty geeky. It's just that that happened to be also for work. So <laughs> it was. It was yeah. like I probably would have watched them anyway. Let's be honest. But like you know, I was covering it because we didn't get an E3 this year. Uh, I was covering that kind of to talk about what stuff was coming out, uh, despite the fact that there's no E3, and and sort of how Summer Game Fest has kind of taken the torch that was dropped by E3, and whether E3 will be back again in the future, we don't know. Uh, speaking of things we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a list of projects that are currently facing delays because of the writer's strike. This actually plays into like the first two stories in our lineup, because first I'm going to go more general and then we're going to talk about Disney particularly, because as we know, Disney owns about half of all the entertainment out there. Uh, so we'll start with the other half first. <laughs> so the writer's strike still going on. And here are some of the things that have been impacted. First of all, late night TV, Saturday night live, that kind of stuff. We knew that was going to be impacted. It was impacted right away. It continues to be so, uh, but also a night of the seven kingdoms, the hedge Knight, which is a game of Thrones spinoff that you may or may not have known was happening. It's been delayed. Uh, George RR Martin has expressed his support for the writers with that regard. Uh, American Dad and Family Guy are both delayed. Uh, Seth is really supportive of writers as well. Cobra Kai is now delayed. This one really hurts. Severance is now delayed. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens in season two of Severance, but I'm going to have to. Stranger Things has been delayed. Uh, Yellow Jackets got one day into work on season three when the strike happened. So it's delayed and good omens is not delayed because it was already shot by the time the writer's strike happened. But because of the writer's strike, Neil Gaiman will not be participating in promoting the series, which uh, he says really hurts, but it, he's abiding by the writer's strike. He is part of the writer's guild of America. So that's a rundown of the non-Disney stuff, what has been delayed. That's a lot, but also uh, expected. Yeah, and that list is just going to get longer. I mean, the longer the strike goes on. And if the if the uh, SAG-AFTRA union strikes as well, it'll be an even bigger impact, obviously. Uh, but then we talk about Disney. So uh, 
gosh, Disney announced a whole bunch of changes to its schedule. And you know that Disney occasionally comes out and puts these incredibly ambitious timelines down. Like we've seen it with Marvel. We've seen it with star Wars and uh, sometimes things go wrong and the plans change. And that has happened big time because partly because of the writer's strike, there may be other reasons as well, but I assume the writer's strike is playing a big part of it. Yeah. Um, except for Deadpool, which has gotten moved up. Yes. Which is, which is weird because of what you previously told us about him, like having to go put, uh, put in improv and post. Well, it sounds like what they're doing right now is they're sticking strictly to the script as written and they're just doing the script as written. And if the strike ends while they're still going through post-production because Deadpool wears a mask, Reynolds can go in and just record additional dialogue that is played over a masked Deadpool and throw in improvised lines after the fact. Of course, it'll still have to fit within the, the context of the scene, but yeah, it's, it's now going to be on May 3rd, 2024. Previously it had been scheduled for November of 2024. So that's one exception. Everything else though, is different. Like Captain America, brave new world has been pushed back from May of next year to July. Uh, Thunderbolts was in July. Now it's pushed to December of next year. Uh, blade, <laughs> which once again is delayed was September of 2024. Now it's Valentine's Day 2025. Uh, Fantastic Four got pushed again. It was February 2025. It's been pushed to May 2nd, 2025. Avatar 3 was supposed to be at the end of 2024. That'll be the end of 2025. Avatar 4 was supposed to be 2026. Now it's 2029, so three years difference. Avatar 5 uh, was supposed to be uh, 2028. Now it's 2031. I can't believe we're talking that far out at this point. You know that date's going to change. Uh, Avengers the Kang Dynasty was supposed to be 2025. Now it'll be May 1st, 2026. And Avengers Secret Wars was supposed to be 2026. Now it's going to be 2027. Uh, there's an untitled Star Wars film that was supposed to come out in December of 2025. Now it'll be May 2026. And then a second untitled Star Wars film was added for December 2026. So we'll get two Star Wars movies that year for some reason. And then a third one the following year. I'm already tired. Yeah, I also didn't mention Thunderbolts, which has been delayed, and Wonder Man, which has been delayed, and well, Daredevil you did Born earlier, Again. I think. Oh, I, I mentioned yeah, yeah, that's true. I true. But yeah, those are those are all delayed too. And yeah, it's just uh it's obviously uh, one of the dangers when you announce these very ambitious slates that things can change and, you know, everything can shift around. I think also the Avengers stuff, like we've talked about this, that Jonathan majors and the uh, legal issues that he faces could potentially be play playing a part in that. So this isn't all necessarily just due to the writer's strike. There are probably other elements. I mean, I, I can't imagine the writer's strike is having that big, of an effect on the avatar films, apart from the fact that those are so CGI heavy. I mean, it, it could be because you know, they can't be writing on it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, everything's going to change again. If sag after goes into a strike anyhow. So that's true. But yeah, that's kind of, I mean, like it's important to kind of 
remember at the end of the day that yes, it's, it's frustrating to see stuff you were looking forward to get pushed further in the future. But ultimately, if it means that writers are going to uh, have their, their issues addressed, that's okay. It's a small price to pay. Listen, listen, I will admit that I, I slightly uh, disassociated once you said fantastic four was delayed to 2025. I'm like, there's still more chance for me to get cast as Ben Grimm. I don't actually know if that's true. I don't know how many people they've cast already. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I still think that you being the rock of Yancey street is a, is a long shot Ariel. I love you to death, but it I is just... <laughs> it. Look, look, I know it's a long shot. I know that it's probably not even smart casting, but uh, <laughs> it can be a thing that I would like to do anyhow. Um. Yeah. Well, we we've got plenty of other news to talk about that doesn't necessarily involve the writer's strike. And one thing that I thought was interesting is that, so the Golden Globe Awards, which used to be the the domain of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, has been through the ringer the last couple of years uh, with with you know conversations about how how much there was a lack of diversity and representation in nominations and in presenters and all that sort of stuff. And it it sort of was besieged by critics. And something interesting is happening now where um, the Golden Globes is no longer going to be a Hollywood Foreign Press Association presentation. No, it's going to be for profit. Yeah, Dick Clark Productions has bought it. I, I realize that for profit means that they're going to try to get like sponsorship and commercial and things like that for it. But it, for some reason, my brain just jumps immediate to immediately to like the, the biggest buyers get the best, best rewards or something. Well, if we're, I mean, if we're being real aerial, that's kind of what awards are like today. <laughs> like, that's true. I mean, uh, like Oscars, it's no secret that when Oscar season comes around, movie studios spend a whole lot of money trying to campaign for their films and their stars to be nominated and to win. So that's true. yeah, I, I mean like I'm sour on awards in general because I often feel that they aren't really genuine, that they don't really go to necessarily the person or the project that most deserves them. I also find it kind of weird to pit art and artists against each other. Like I don't, I don't like to think of art as being competitive and that's part of the problem I have with it. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that if the golden globes were to remain relevant, there did need to be a change. It just shocked me that it was going to be like literally the, the Hollywood foreign press association essentially dissolving and this Dick Clark productions coming in to take it over. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the people from the, the foreign press are, are coming over to this new, some of them. To this yes. New system. That's true. Um, but yeah. Spe- speaking of, of award shows and kind of paying to play, did, have you been following game changers trying to get an Emmy? No, I did not even know about this. So yeah. So Hank green, who, uh, it, listeners, if you don't know who he is, I know him mainly from TikTok. of like, I know he does other stuff, but he does like, how did this video happen? Let me explain the magic behind this or the science behind this. He's kind of like an Adam Conover type, but, um, yeah, older Dinner. people out there, you know him because he's he and his brother have had a YouTube series for literally years. Yeah. Anyhow, he had mentioned that Game Changers, which is the game show that changes every time on Dropout TV, 
should get an Emmy. And so Sam Reich, who owns the company, was like, you know what? Maybe we'll try. Now they got in their they got in their uh, submission a little bit late. And then because of the writer's strike, all of the money that they had for their four-year consideration campaign to, to try to get momentum on gaining that Emmy, because like you said, there's legit campaigning for these awards, they have instead um, donated to the Entertainment Community Fund to help out uh, artists during the writer's strike. So they're asking for people, if you like Game Changers and you think it should win an Emmy, to tweet about it with hashtag Emmy for Game Changers, or ga- Emmy for Game Changer. Um, which is kind of interesting because it just goes back to the things we talked about, about campaigning and all that stuff. Yeah. That, that show, by the way, is a real joy because the whole game of the show is to figure out what the game is, right? Sometimes, sometimes they tell you up front. (laughs) That's, that's true. But more often than not, what happens is you've got the, the competitors who are sitting there and like, uh, the, 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 the gimmick is you don't know what the game is when you go into it and that you Mm -hmm. will be told possibly at the very beginning, or the game is to figure out what the game is. And you might be asked questions and you'll give answers and you kind of judge by the response to your answers about whether or not you're doing the right thing. In other cases, like you were saying, Ariel, like the, like it's, it's, it's a giveaway at the, at the very beginning. Like, yes, this game is all about making sounds based upon a prompt. Like you have to make, a sound with your human body and human voice that is based off this prompt. And the best, if, if it's good, then Sam Reich will give you points. And if it's not, then he'll just be a real jerk about it. Or, or like their Christmas prize game where they have to explain, you're going to open a box and it's going to have something in it, either a good prize or a bad thing you have to do. And you got to try to get people to steal it or not steal it, depending on whether you want to keep it or not. Um, yeah. So a yeah, white elephant type of thing. Yeah, if you're a fan of Dropout like us or Game Changers like us, uh, you know, help help them out because they're grassrooting their their Emmy nod. Uh, <laughs> but uh, also, if you aren't and you're like, huh, maybe I want to check it out. It is not safe for kids. Don't let your kids watch it. <laughs> yes. All right. So next up, we're going to talk about a couple of games that were shown off this past week. Ones that I did not mention when we were uh, chatting about stuff we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, from here on out, it's the Oops All Trailers. Uh, yeah, it's true. Show. Uh, yeah, it's all trailers. Um, in fact, I don't know why I put, uh, you know what, after we do the, the two that are, <laughs> I have listed, let's do the last one on the list too, because it's also a video game trailer and I don't know sure. why I didn't schedule it properly. Okay. That's a little bit behind the scenes. I, I organized the, the, the show lineup well, and I, I did a whoopsie. I put that last one in. So yeah, but I didn't, I didn't change its order. All right. And this way we'll end with a horror movie the way we're supposed to. Okay. <laughs> so first up is we got a trailer for a new entry in the fable franchise. Now fable, I don't know how many of y'all have played the fable games. The first one was a lot of fun. The concept was to have this very open kind of uh, game system fantasy world, lots of magic and the choices you made would determine your character's fate. Like they could become more and more saintly or more and more evil. And your appearance would change based on that. It's very similar to what you would see in games like Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, Fable, great game. Fable 2, still a pretty good game. Fable 3, not a lot of people like Fable 3. And then it went quiet for more than a decade and we got a teaser 
for the new Fable game. And it has a particularly beloved nerdy actor in it. Yeah, Richard Aoadi, who is uh, Moss in the IT crowd. He also does Travel Man and Tech Man. Gadget Man? Yeah, Gadget Man. Gadget Man. Um, he's, he's kind of like the narrator of this new trailer. First of all, the only memories I have of the first Fable game are that your character had to eat food at certain points. And mm -hmm. uh, one of my dear friends was visiting and playing the game. We were all watching him and we kept feeding him chips. And every time we'd feed him a chip while he was playing the game, he'd eat with as his character. It was ridiculous fun. That's that's all I remember from the original. Um, but yeah, Richard Ayoade is kind of the um, the narrator of the trailer. Uh, you find out throughout the trailer, maybe also a bad guy. I'm not sure. It depends. It depends on your view of various uh, fables and fairy tales. Uh, you, definitely, you definitely find out that he's taller than you would have expected. Yes. Yes. Um, honestly, this this trailer made me really excited to play this new fable game, despite the fact that I did not personally play the first one. Um, although I will say, like, his face had some serious uncanny valley going on. Like his eyes and his mouth did not feel like they belonged on the rest of his head. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if he even appears in the game or if that was literally just made as a teaser and that's all we'll ever see. Uh, I don't know one way or the other, but I do know that this version, this title of fable is coming from a different uh, game studio than the one that made the original trilogy. But uh, it, it definitely seems to have that, that quirky sense of humor that I associate with the fable games. So I too am eager to get a chance to see some more from this one. Although if, if Richard Ayoade is not in it, I might uh, put down the game and never play it again. Totally. I get it. Well, the next one that we have is uh, if you thought goat simulator was absurd fun, but s seriously lacking in firepower, could I interest you in squirrel with a gun? Uh, you could, although I would, I would say like, if you want to up the firepower from goat simulator, you want to do the untitled goose game because you can pick up a knife and chase people with that. That's so true. that's the middle step between goat simulator and score with a gun. But yes, I didn't know this game was coming out. Apparently it was announced that it was happening like last year and I completely missed it. Um, and it is. A hitman drops a gun and a squirrel picks it up and goes on a rampage. Like, why? Yeah. Why is this a game? And and if you're thinking, hey, a squirrel is so small, if it were to fire a gun, the gun would end up creating such force that it would shoot the squirrel backward. Well, guess what? You just latched on to a fundamental component of the game's mechanics. So interesting. Uh, so interesting. And really, like, I have friends who are homeowners who hate squirrels because they have a real squirrel problem. I don't hate squirrels. Sometimes I wish they would leave my stuff alone, but I think they're pretty cute. But for these people who, who like, squirrels are their arch nemesis, I feel like this game is a nightmare for them. Yeah, no. But this I also is, kind this of want like, to taunt them with it. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's like the equivalent of, being play, of playing Dead for Daylight, Dead by Daylight for them. Uh, the... The trailer is goofy. I, I mean, honestly, as I was watching it, I was like, this looks like the type of game where I appreciate the concept more than I would actually enjoy playing the game. So while I don't plan on picking this one up, uh, kudos to game developers for continuing to come up with 
outside the box thinking when it comes to what's a good game concept. I mean, think about that. Someone had to come up with this idea and then convince other people that that idea was good enough to pour the time and resources in necessary to make a game out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know what, though? I bet a lot of people are going to play it. Sure. Yeah. I I honestly think like this, if if the game is, well, one, if the game is either really good or (laughs) paradoxically, if the game is really bad, I have a feeling it's going to be a big hit with like certain YouTube and Twitch streaming channels. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to play it. I did play some goat simulator and I also played some untitled goose game and I just, I got frustrated with both of them. Um, the con- the controls and the camera are both weird in both of those games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but something I, you might get frustrated with, but I would not, is the new Lamplighters League gig that's coming out, um, which I mistitled on our show lineup, uh, which is like a turn-based uh, monster huntery rogues gallery sort of fun thing yeah it's a squad based game so if you're uh, like playing those games where you have four or five members on your squad and in a turn you can move people or get them into cover or fire that kind of thing but uh these are characters who are all kind of misfits and outcasts and they have different abilities so like you have one character who's best at at sort of sneaky flanking maneuvers and you know characters who are better at that brute force that type of thing and it's it's all about putting together the right combination of characters and tactics to take down uh whatever enemies you're going up against i'm just terrible at those games which is why uh i I think the aesthetic looks amazing it has sort of a steampunky kind of feel to it um Mm -hmm. Or at least, or at least a sort of fantasy punky kind of feel to it, like if it were set in the 1800s kind of era. And I thought it looked neat, but I just, I'm just, I'm terrible at those games. I, I'm not always the best at them either. Um, I'm pretty good at like where it's where you you just have a turn order. So like the Penny Arcade games, which honestly, when I first started watching this trailer, I thought this was a new Penny Arcade game, and I was super excited about it. Um, but at least one of those is also turn-based and, uh, maybe both of them. I don't remember now. Um, it's been a while, but, uh, like I can, I can figure out the best move for the person whose turn it is, but sometimes knowing how to equip my team is, is harder. Uh, like I struggled with that again in mass effect. I keep going back to mass effect. It's one of the few games that I've like finished, finished, um, (laughs) the entire series of, uh, I play a lot of games. I, I, I'm not. Uh, and then I get distracted with something shiny and I don't finish them. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super into this. I'd be more into it if it were another Penny Arcade game, but I'm super into this. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I think it looks great for what it is. So maybe it'll be one of those that I'll again, watch playthroughs on YouTube because often that's what that's how where my go to is for games where I just I'm like, I appreciate this, but I know that it's not it doesn't play to my strengths and I would find it frustrating. I feel the same way about like uh, competitive shooters. I just know I, I'm you know, I'm turning 48 pretty soon. 
I am not of the age where I have the Twitch skills to, to match up against the youngins out there. So for me that there's no point in playing those games, I would just be bullet sponge. And, uh, but I like watching, I like watching people who are really good at them. So probably going to feel the same way about this one, but maybe if I watch enough of it and I think, Hey, maybe this is the game to get me into that genre and that style of games. Maybe that's the one I pick up. Uh, although I, I would have guessed that if any game would have done that, it would have been the, the Mario versus Rabbids games. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Uh, Honestly, I don't, I don't have, I have time for games, but I have a hard time being like, okay, let me go down and turn on my game system and start a game right now. Yeah. Um, I hear that. Well, let's talk a bit about all the trailers for, for passive entertainment. Now that we're done with the, the game stuff. And um, first up is the trailer for Carl's date, which I assume has been attached to elemental. So some of y'all listening to this may have already seen it. It, it has, in fact, been attached to Elemental. Yeah. So um, so so for some of you, this isn't news. This is old because you already saw it. Yeah. So apparently there's this old guy in Disney named Carl with a dog. And uh, you are killing me right now. Going on a date. <laughs> You're killing. So obviously this is Carl from Pixar's Up. And I would not he... be able to tell you that was his name if in a vacuum. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And and he is he is betraying his deceased wife, the love of his life and going on a date. And I hated this. I hated it. I hated it. And like, yes, I know people should be allowed to move on and that he had been grieving for her and that uh, the end of up was kind of his reconciliation of grief. And I get all of that. But she she gave him a grape soda pop pen, Ariel. I don't understand that. But listen, listen, Jonathan. It's been over 10 years since his wife passed away in Up. Because Up happened in 2009. Um, and now it's 20. I don't know if I don't know if it's OK. It can't be year for year because Doug is spry as hell. And there's I mean, no way there's no way that dog would still be that spry 10 years later. Dick, Dick Van Dyke, you know, you, like, you. anyhow, uh, he was 78 in up, according to IMDb. So he could be 88. And so there are some very spry, well, 80, 90. No, but Dick Doug, Van Dyke is a very Doug spry. is the dog. OK, Doug oh. is the dog. Doug oh. is in Doug is in up and dogs do not age gracefully over the course of a decade. So, uh, OK, well, touche there, Jonathan, you got me. However, uh, I as someone who has absolutely no uh, emotional connection to this character, I think it's fine that he's able to move on. And because she hasn't his, watched it. She has not watched it, y'all. When share you watch- his memories. When you watch the new. first 10 minutes of up and it absolutely wrecks you emotionally, like, like angry, crying sobs, racking your body in the theater to the she, point where the little kid next to you says to their mommy, mommy, the people next to me are crying. Then it's very hard to let go of that. <laughs> you're a, uh, you're really selling this movie to me, Jonathan. It's, it's a, it's a great movie, but yes, those first two, let me put it to you. I'll tell you a little story. 
my wife and I, we were on a Disney cruise and we were getting ready to go on an excursion. Now we had already seen up many times, so we're getting ready to go on an excursion. When you go on an excursion, you have to meet in a, a common area in the ship and different excursions meet in different spots. So we were told to meet in this one lounge. So we all go and we sit down in the lounge and as we sit down up begins to play and everybody in that lounge starts to kind of give side glances to each other and shift nervously in their seats. Cause we're all wondering, will the excursion leave before things get tragic in the intro to up? And the answer to that was no, the excursions did not leave. And so <laughs> when we were all getting on the buses, we were doing so crying. I mean, that sounds horrible. Why would I want to do that to myself, Jonathan? Can because I skip the first 10 minutes of Up no, and just watch the rest? You absolutely can't because the entire, the, to understand why things are the way they are, you have to have seen those first 10 minutes. I and already understand why they are the way they are. This man had a, a love of his life and she passed away and it's very sad. But it's also very beautiful. And that's why I think like to me, the first 10 minutes of Up like I wouldn't change a thing. It is incredibly tragic and emotionally traumatizing and important. It's like, it's like if you were like, well, why don't we do Bambi? But uh, let's not have his mom get killed. Cool. Spoiler, by the way. Oh, no, Jonathan, how could you? <laughs> you know, so they're making the Bambi. live action Bambi. So some people out there may not have seen the original and they might not know. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Maybe, maybe something different will happen. Maybe we'll think the mom died in the in the live action remake, but she'll actually be alive. And that would be the best remake ever. Well, uh, I think the important thing to realize is that Carl should have died a, a, a widow, a widower and, and never gone on another mean. date ever again. <laughs> that's so flippin' mean, Jonathan. <laughs> I, I mean, she deserved better, man. <laughs> Anyhow. Okay. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe earth also deserves better. In Disney and Pixar's new feature, Elio, 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 about a young boy who accidentally, well, he's not accidentally abducted. He's purposefully abducted by aliens, but it's due to a misunderstanding and communication about how Earth works on the yeah, aliens the al part. The aliens assume that Elio is the leader when they're like, take me to, to your leader kind of stuff. They think he's the one. And um, and although he attempts to explain that that's not the case, he rapidly backtracks when he discovers that um, that if they don't think he's the one, uh, things are going to go poorly for him. Yeah, yeah, there this trailer looks pretty cute to me. It's kind of like a mix between men in black and like the prequel Senate scenes from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, there's some like surprisingly dark little moments in it. They aren't scary, but they're definitely like dark humor in this trailer that really surprised me. One of the aliens talks about, uh, consuming its parental finger, which is not unheard of in the animal world, but a, a little, a little disturbing when you hear it from a sentient talking being. Yeah, but then he also explains that that's not something his species normally does. It's just it's just sort of a him thing. Yeah, but that's extra creepy, though. Like That's why it's a joke. It, like, it surprised me, honestly, that was in a Disney Pixar movie, but... Um, well, I'm, it, 
so it, it reminds me of a couple of things too. So it reminds me a little bit of laser team, which is from rooster teeth. And that the plot of that is that, uh, aliens come down, uh, like they, they send a suit of, uh, of powered armor to earth that's meant to go to a specific champion, but instead this group of, of idiots, uh, four idiots accidentally ends up each putting on a part of the armor and it bonds with each of them and they have to become the earth champion to face down an alien. And then it also reminds me of an episode of a British sci-fi comedy series called hyperdrive, which is mm-hmm. sort of good and sort of not like it's, it's okay. It's, it's got Nick Frost in it and he's great in it, but the scripts are just okay for the most part. But anyway, there's an episode where, um, people's people are put into peril for the like entertainment of aliens. They're like viewing it like it's reality TV. So it's, it's making me think of kind of those things too. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. Um, honestly, it looks, it looks pretty cute. It does have very, um, rounded art style. So like Luca, good dinosaur style, um, to it. Yeah. Yeah. These are not like photorealistic, uh, humans in this one. No, but it, it looks charming. Um, kind of also reminds me a little bit of, of the style of like turning red. Yes, definitely the style of turning red, which I quite enjoyed. So uh, hopefully Ilya will be just as awesome. Something else that looks, I guess, charming is the right word. It looks charming to me is Nimona. Yeah, mm-hmm. this trailer is for a Netflix uh, uh, film. It's based off a graphic novel and it looks really amusing and entertaining to me. Basic premise is that uh, it's a, well, it's a computer animated film, just like Elio and the atrocity that is Carl's date. And uh, Nimona is, is about a, a young woman who is a shapeshifter and is ready to be a villain. Like the world has treated her poorly and she's just, she's chomping at the bit to be a bad guy. She just needs a bigger bad guy to latch onto and become a sidekick. And she thinks she's found one only that bad guy doesn't consider himself to be a bad guy. He feels like he's, he's completely misunderstood and has been framed. And so it's kind of a, a mismatched buddy comedy sort of thing. And it looks, it looks really good. Did you say chomping at the bit because she shapeshifts into various animals? Well, yeah, and I also called her a shapeshifter, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, chomping at the bit. Anyhow, sure. like you could shapeshift into different people. You could just be Odo from Deep Space that's, Nine. That's true. That's true. She, We see her initially shapeshift into a rhinoceros. Everything she turns into is pink-ish, by the way. Yeah, which is adorable. Um, from reading the description of, of the show a little bit, it's possible that the person that she glums onto is actually hunting her. Um, we'll, we'll see. Like, that's not a certainty. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks, it looks a little edgy, a little cheeky and very cute. Um, and I almost didn't watch this trailer, but then you put it in our lineup and I'm really, really glad you did. Yeah, me too. Like it was one of those things where at the last minute I just happened to notice it, uh, when I was trolling YouTube and I saw that and I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And as I watched it, I thought this is this is, I mean, it looks really good. Like the animation looks really good. And uh, like to the level of quality that I would associate with something like a Pixar, but it's not a Pixar film. And uh, yeah, that's what really drew, you know, pulled me into it initially. And I like the character designs too. I thought the character designs looked really 
fun. So I'm glad yeah. that um, I'm glad I checked it out. I, I do look forward to seeing that. Right. Next, we're going to talk about Landscape with the Invisible Hand, which is a movie that uh, is going back to the whole alien thing again. Um, yes. It's like a it, it it the trailer reads like a lighthearted teeny bopper black mirror or an episode of the Orville. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I can totally get the black mirror vibes. Yeah, the 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 gimmick, as you discover in the trailer, like it's first set up like it's a teenage romantic comedy coming of age kind of film. But then as it plays on, you realize like these kids are actually uh you know, maybe they once had a genuine crush on each other, but they've kind of moved away from that. However, the human race is under the, the, uh, I was going to say thumb, but really it's like sucker pad of these weird alien critters that watch humans for entertainment. And they find romance particularly fascinating to watch because it isn't something that they naturally experience. And so these two people are now essentially putting on a show of having a relationship in order to, um, to get paid. Essentially, it's almost like being a live streamer, except instead of streaming games or chat or whatever, you're streaming your relationship with someone else. And if the aliens find it, uh, entertaining and entrancing, they pay for it. And it, it's got some really interesting ideas and it's, also presented in a way like it doesn't come across like it's a science fiction film in the style of the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes across as like a teeny bopper film. Um, it is interesting. So I think, I think that people stream their lives in general, but it's the, the, as one of the other characters in the trail trailer, I think calls it courtship drama yes. gets a higher payout. So these two teenagers pretend to be in love. It also seems like maybe they fall in love trying to fix their fix their mistake or maybe they just discover that they're really good friends and maybe the aliens now now i'm just going into a theory on it maybe the aliens discover that friendship is is the best magic of all um i don't know um maybe we find out the aliens were inside us the whole time oh just like in the movie aliens i don't want one of those crab flipper people inside of me oh no no once they they get big enough they burst out so Jonathan, gross. Okay. You've seen the alien movies. (laughs) Yes, but I don't like my body is not the cinema in which these aliens need to watch their drama. Um, (laughs) uh, But it it is interesting because also the Orville did have an episode on this where they go to a planet where everybody's lives are basically live streamed. And then like people get upvotes and downvotes. And if you get too many downvotes, then I think they like execute you or they lock you up or something so it's it's kind of a concept that's been played with before but it is a kind of a fun new take on it like honestly seeing these goofy pink aliens as the creatures that are are holding the control like that surprised me (laughs) yeah yeah because they don't look particularly threatening they look weird but not like menacing um so dumb but yeah, so again, reminds me of that hyperdrive episode. This is not an ad for hyperdrive. I don't necessarily sure? think you should seek out hyperdrive and watch it. Are, uh, are they paying you, Jonathan, to say stuff no, about them? No, no. Because they I, aren't paying me. <laughs> I don't think it I don't think it's even like I watched it when it was on Netflix, but I think 
it's been off Netflix for years at this point, I believe. Uh, I did at one point consider possibly importing some DVDs and just playing them on a region free player because they're almost good enough. Like, like I think of it as being kind of akin to red dwarf. Like I think red dwarf is a show that has huge cultural impact in the UK, but it's not nearly as good as people who are fans of it. Like to think. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently you can stream it on prime video. It, Probably it might have a cost to it, but you can stream it on Prime Video. Gotcha. All well, how seasons. about how about we move away from aliens and we talk about dark conspiracies that we don't fully understand with they clone Tyrone. Oh, sure. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I totally skipped over one, didn't I? You did. I was like, but there are aliens in the new Foundation trailer. But we uh, can you know talk what? About- Let's do Foundation and then we'll go to They Clone Tyrone because then we'll start getting into the horror stuff anyway. OK. Um, but I'm not so- I'm not cutting this out. We're just going with it. <laughs> it's hard. I need like a signal, except for we've both turned our cameras off. So you can't be like, yeah, keep you can't give me like that directoral keep rolling. We're still rolling thing. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, Ariel, tell me about Foundation season two before I go off script and talk about they clone Tyrone. <laughs> Well, it probably does have to do with conspiracy theories, but it is in outer space and it does have aliens. The end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You still, we, neither of us have watched the first season of Foundation, right? No. Okay. No, but it is, it is high on my list. Cause like the first season looked, and again, I didn't watch it. It looked much more like Dune-esque in like the outer space soap opera drama-ish kind of realm. And season two feels a lot more from the trailer again, feels a lot more like actiony and sci-fi and they're maybe like it's like Dune meets Dragon Riders of Pern. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, there's aliens and um, a lot of a lot of fun sci-fi type things in the trailer that make me want to go want to watch it and see what is happening. Yeah, I. And maybe you don't remember this either, uh, but I want to say that when we were talking about foundation before I, that we were chatting about how at least some of the, cause again, neither of us have, have watched it and I haven't read the foundation series. Did you? I did not know. Okay. But so neither maybe of us, that's neither a good us, thing because my understanding is the first season doesn't super follow it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I, that was my recollection was that when we talked about foundation, Part of what uh, the response was, was that the first season was a lot of setup, but did not actually seem to follow the, the, the original books. So maybe season two is getting into that. It's, it's hard to say because since neither of us have read it and neither of us watched the first season, uh, we are as in the dark about this as we can possibly be. Yeah. Honestly, when I watched it, I mean, I do like Asimov. Um, who is the writer originally when I was like, Oh, this kind of looks like, what does it look like to me for comparison? And I was going to say that it looks like the expanse, but that is literally only because Jared Harris is in both of them. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I thought that it had um, like in my brain, I kept getting it mixed up with Ender's game, even though I wouldn't say that they, they, uh, you know, resembled one another apart from the fact that they're both science fiction stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that same sort of like adventure dark, but not too dark feel. Um, Although that could be a completely wrong read. 
Ender's Game is pretty dark, but it's very palatable dark. Yeah. Well, uh, since we have little useful information to impart about Foundation Season 2, how about we move on to the horror of Dolores? No, I'm kidding. We're going to do They Clone Tyrone you can. now. You, you, can, you can jump wherever you want to. I've got our spreadsheet open, Jonathan, and I will just yes and you till the cows come home. Well, and it's uh, all horror clone- from here on out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because we already talked about Lamplighters. Dang it. And it goes from least scary to most. Because honestly, they cloned Tyrone. Looks more like a dark comedy than a horror to me. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks or like sci-fi. It looks like they took some elements of black exploitation films, like which obviously we've seen a whole bunch of, of resurgence of that kind of stuff in recent years, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where it's that that. Uh, sort of 70s era black action black horror movie uh type of of films that were really popular and were exploitative that's why they were called black exploitation but now it's done in a very like tongue in cheek knowing way in the more recent versions that we're getting and it has an element of that probably possibly because Jamie Foxx is playing a pimp an actual pimp in the in the film Um, And yeah, there's like a conspiracy element. It kind of has like invasion of the body snatchers energy because people are being replaced by clones, um, which also gets into some other fairly recent horror slash science fiction movies that I'm not going to mention by name because it's kind of like the big reveal of those movies. And if you still haven't seen one, I don't want to ruin it for you. (laughs) I think I know what movie you're talking about, but we'll talk about it offline. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's inter- it does look interesting. I uh, at first I thought like are all the clones the the main three characters or are they just still clones of different people and they clone Tyrone? I think it's clones of lots of different people and it's just that Tyrone encounters his own clone and that's what tips them off that there's something sinister going on and you find out like that there are in in very mundane places like say a convenience store, there are secret entrances to like underground facilities where this stuff is happening. And I don't know. I mean, there's something about it that just is really like kind of wacky, but not outright just full on comedy that, that strikes me as a, a good balance. So I'm, I'm very intrigued by this trailer. I am too. Also John Boyega is in it and he, it took me a second to realize it was John Boyega. He looks very different from what how I'm used to seeing him. So yeah, and he's doing an American accent too. He's not he's not speaking in his normal uh, uh, British accent. That will always throw me. It will always throw me. Even if I have good facial recognition, I'll be like, "Am I wrong? Because your your American accent some, sometimes like an American accent. If it's not done right, I'll pick up on it. It gets really annoying sometimes because especially if you've got like an Australian actor." Mm-hmm. who hasn't learned to put the G's. And I say this, I make mistakes on my accent work all the time because it's not native to me. And unless I'm spending hours and hours dissecting the script and figuring out how to pronounce everything, I'm going to mess up. But uh, a lot of Australian actors, for instance, will, if they've got a word ending in ING, will say any, like anything, you know, in America, we say anything. Uh, Australians say anything. Yeah. Um, well, and it will always also, tip me off. And so you also get like spe- specifically in the UK, when UK people in England are doing American accents, they tend to hit the R's a R's. little too hard. 
Yeah, that was about to say the same thing. Yeah. It's a or they tend to go a little bit like New York by accident. <laughs> yeah. But like if you listen, if you watch the first season of House, for example, as great as Hugh Laurie is, like uh when you hear him hit those R's at, or watch Doctor Strange and Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, when they're saying words it. that end with an ER, they hit those R's super hard. Yeah, it it almost gives it this weird it's the opposite of like transatlantic, but it gives the same feel. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I still think that that trailer was a good one. I'm looking forward to <laughs> yes. seeing that movie. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it definitely caught my attention. And the next one also got my attention. It's another kind of dark comedy horror movie called the horror of Dolores Roach. And the trailer introduces us to Dolores, who is a woman who is in prison. She's gotten out. She's trying to land a job. She's having a lot of trouble doing it. She's getting the runaround. And uh, she has a friend who gives her the chance to um, to have her own kind of uh, massage therapy business because um, he's, he's trying to help her out. She I guess she gives him a massage one day and he's like, oh, this is good enough for you to do professionally, even though you don't haven't been trained in it. So she starts getting massage work. Then uh, this is all in the trailer. So I'm not giving anything away, but she is um, assaulted essentially by a client who is trying to get her to do more than what she is advertising. And she ends up uh, killing him. And then she uh, is horrified to learn that her friend is more than happy to help her dispose of the body. And then she suspects that that disposal might be very, uh, you know, Sweeney Toddish. Yeah. Uh, empanadas. Uh, I don't like cannibalism stories. I realize I've seen Sweeney Todd and I've listened to the music and I even liked Josh Groban's performance in the Tonys. But for some re reason, when I have to watch it in a TV show or a movie, it super squicks me out and no, no change here. I was like, maybe I'll like it because I really like, because I, I like Sweeney Todd and because I really, really like Justina Machado, who uh, I know her mostly from being the mom in the reboot of One Day at a Time. But I don't know. I, it started turning my stomach by the end of the trailer, Jonathan. Oh, gosh. See, I just thought it was like darkly comedic and I'm totally on board. I just uh, don't like cannibalism stories. I really, really don't. Everyone's got their thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, having something that you're not, you're not cool with. There's, there's, that's totally legit. Our friend Shay, for example, would hate the next movie that's on our list. Not that I'm jumping down there yet, but can. Sh she really has a thing about like demonic possession movies. She really does not like those. They really bother her. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with having like that, that one thing that you just can't stand. See, for me, it typically is uh, anything that's in the torture porn category, like hostile or saw like those movies where the horror is mostly in how much physical mutilation can we visit upon a character uh, before we ultimately kill that character off or whatever. I'm not interested in those movies. Those don't do anything for me. I don't find them entertaining. I just find them uh, like upsetting and not in a way where I'm like thoughtful about it. 
it, it's just upsetting. Like there's nothing artful or creative in my mind of those kinds of movies. So I'm, I'm not a big fan. Uh, this one, because of the kind of dark comedy nature of it, I am interested in, uh, but I totally get it. Like there's, you know, nothing wrong with having, having a hard out for specific types of, of content. Well, and it's gotten harder over the years as, as like, as I get older, I'm like, I just don't have room in my life for this particular content anymore. And that's yeah. totally fine. Like you said, but I we mean, should jump onto the next trailer because we're running pretty long. Yeah, <laughs> Unless we will. You've got, you've got something important to say. All I was going to say, Ariel, is that I learned that this was really a sticking point for you. The last time I looked at you and said, what's eating you? And you decked me. I mean, come on now. We've known each other long enough. You should have known better. And to be fair, I deserved it before I even opened my mouth. So <laughs> that's not true. You're a delightful friend. Thank uh, you. <laughs> unlike this next trailer, which was not a delightful friend to me. Nor were any of the friends in the trailer delightful to each other. So that is true. We already watched a teaser trailer for this uh, or an a, a early trailer for this movie. It's called Talk to Me. This is the movie where a group of, of young uh, are they supposed to be teens or are they young adults? Um, I, I, it, I think teenagers, but it's unclear. Yeah. They're all played by young adults, but maybe they're supposed to be teenagers, but it's, it's that one where they've got like this weird, uh, like it looks like a mannequin hand with symbols drawn all over it, a left hand, by the way. And you are to clasp the hand and say, talk to me. And then you are, uh, briefly possessed, by a spirit who then can communicate. So it's sort of like using a Ouija board, except instead of a Ouija board, it's this hand. And, you know, we saw the first trailer that things go wrong, that the possession ends up uh, extending beyond the time it's supposed to happen. And that this thing that kids are playing with has now become deadly. And that first trailer I thought was okay. Like I, I didn't really feel a need to see the movie after watching it. Cause I just, it didn't grab me so to speak. But this one I thought was way more effective and way creepier. So now you do feel like you need to watch it? Yeah. Is that because you're left-handed and uh, you really relate to being vilified for being left-handed? Well, we are also known as the sinister ones because sinister is old French for left. So yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't catch that. So uh, good on you. Like, I didn't catch it was a left hand, but that that's clever. Yes. So what did you think that I, since I made you watch this? Um, well, I'm going to admit I watched it on 1.5 times speed because uh, <laughs> you put in our notes. Super scary. Uh, I, I thought the acting in it was really good. Mm -hmm. Like the main girl who, who uh, I, I, the main character who, who carries the possession longer than she's supposed to. Although I'm sure it's more than just her, but the the main character just portrayed the various peaks and valleys she went through in the journey of her character in the trailer very well i thought in a way that was like believable but not heavy hand and not heavy handed um it the concept honestly is both scary and also a little like why why would you do that like i don't know i don't know sometimes i get that with horror movies i'm just like why are these people doing this thing I mean, it's oh. to me, to me, it's, it is an extension of the whole, like friends getting together and doing like, like the, like the campground creepy stuff, whether it's, it's, you know, a Ouija board 
which really isn't creepy. It's made by Hasbro. Come on. It's, <laughs> it's a board game. Essentially uh, it's based off spirit boards, which I guess are arguably slightly more creepy because it's not like, yeah. Oh, I accidentally grabbed the Ouija board instead of monopoly. Uh, but like, it also reminds me of things like when kids would play uh, stiff as a board, light as a feather, that kind of thing. And yeah, like, it's it's a it's obviously a step further than that, right? It's because it because everyone who's involved in this appears to understand that this is a real phenomenon. They're not like pl- they're not like just staring at a mirror and saying Bloody Mary, and they yeah. they're they're ninety five percent sure nothing's going to happen, but five percent is doubting it. They they know something's going to happen, know. which definitely pushes it. That that's the thing for me is is like. Okay, I played stiff. I almost says light as a board, stiff as a feather. Yes. <laughs> Maybe yes. that's why it never worked for me. As a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I can tell you that it never worked for me, but that's because I love my tacos. I mean, same. I was. I've always been at least tall. Uh, I used to be skinny and tall, but my friends were never really able to lift me up with their fingertips. Um, it took way too many of them to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had to have a pallet driver lift me up. So I hear you. <laughs> But, uh, but that's the thing is it's like, it's too far. It's pushing too far, far. right? It's too far. Yeah. That's, that's it. Because I'm like, you know, you see, this is bad. It's like, it's like, I know this is bad. I'm seeing these very legitimate proof facts of this thing happening. So it's no longer a game. And it's just like, how, like, I guess it's like playing chicken. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I totally, I think. I think that's going to be the factor where you either buy into it or you don't like you have to buy into this. Would there be such a case where people would encounter something that is clearly malevolent, clearly supernatural, clearly actually is happening. And yet they would still engage in that activity for fun, kind of in a, in a truth or dare sort of situation where you're, you know, you're, you're one, you're trying to prove to everybody else that you're brave enough to do it. Or two, you just find it amusing. Like that is pushing it super, super far. And if you are able to go with that and say like, okay, I'm all right with that. I mean, I don't think this would really play out that way, but I'm okay. Then I think you could kind of engage with the movie. But if you're looking at it and you're like, this doesn't even strike me as being remotely realistic. I mean, take all the supernatural stuff out. But like if, if something were this, this truly known to be this dangerous, it doesn't make sense to me that characters would seek it out for fun. I think that's a legit like thing to balk at. Uh, It's just for me, like since I love so many different horror movies and I've seen so many really bad ones, this one looks like, yes, the premise itself is faulty, but the execution looks like it might be really good. Yeah, I, I get that. Like I said, the acting was very good. Um, it was very. It wasn't. It wasn't too hammy, which can often be a problem with horror movies. To try to hammer home the kind of the bizarreness of the situation, um, and that is the last thing we have to talk about. And we should wrap it up because this has been a very long episode. Yes, it has been a very long episode, and so. It is time for us to end the show, which Ariel has to launch into. Thank you for joining us. I've been Erica. No, um, Jonathan, how can people reach out to us if they have thoughts on horror movies or cute cartoons or any of the things that we've talked about? Well, to reach me, you're going to need to go and take a walk 
on an early morning, just as the sun is coming up, going to walk down the lane, listening carefully. And if you hear a call that's then you know you have just heard the bird that pooped on me this morning. And your job is to climb a tree and catch that bird, take it back home, and slap a diaper on it and say, you know why this is happening. And then you can go and release the bird unharmed but diapered so that it never again can poop upon my person. And three days later, you'll hear a knock at your door and it'll be me and I'll say, I know what you did and I appreciate it. What's your question? I, you know, I really like that because um, I was afraid ending on a horror note, it would also end on a horror note. Thank you, Jonathan. You are a kind-hearted soul to uh, help this poor bird's incontinent, incontinence. Um, <laughs> uh, if you don't like birds or you can't climb trees or you just don't have any diapers lying around, you can also reach out to us on social media, and I'll make sure Jonathan gets it. Uh, on Twitter, we're LNC underscore podcast. On Facebook, Instagram, and Discord, we're Large Nerdron Collider. You can also email us at largenerdronpod at gmail.com. Um, I usually post a Discord uh, invite in our show notes on our website, though I'm behind a couple of weeks again. I'll get those up this weekend. Um, so, But if you want a Discord invite, and you can't make one work, just email us and I'll do that for you. Yes. Un until next time, I'm Jonathan. I'm covered in Strickland. And I'm Ariel. I can talk do good words have. Kasten. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com. <laughs>